Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. So, hey, grab your Bible. We got lots of scripture today. I hope you like the word. Um, Psalm 8. I want to look at Psalm 8 this morning. Um, Probably not one that we read a lot, doesn't get a lot of attention, but man, it's power packed. And I want to kind of read Psalm 8, and then I want to break it down verse to verse and kind of see some truths that God wants us to see in this uh, Psalm 8. And I'm going to read today, I'm kind of throwing you a curve. I'm normally out of New King James, I'm NIV today, so... um, but my sound guys know that. So uh, Psalm 8, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is the name, your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens from lips of children and infants. You have ordained praise because your enemies to silence and the foe of the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? the son of man, that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and beasts of the fields, birds of the air, fish of the sea, all swim in the path of the seas. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Mm, man, you can curl up on the patio with a cup of coffee with that. Amen. So I want you to see some things about the go name that is above every name. You can't think about that until you go to Ephesians chapter two, uh, Philippians chapter two. Go to Philippians chapter two. I want you to see the name that is above every name. The Philippians chapter two, six through eleven. Who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in, the, in human likeness, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name that is above every name. Acts 4, 12 says there's no other name given that man shall be saved. No other name. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he said he will be there. Absolutely the most powerful, most beautiful name in all the earth. Man, there's times in my life where something's going on and all I can say is Jesus. I don't even know what else to say. Just Jesus. You ever been in one of those situations where just some stuff happens? You didn't necessarily cause it. You wouldn't 
You wouldn't vote on it. You wouldn't just welcome it to your house, but it just arrived, and it's not leaving. And there's a lot of stuff, and it's just a situation, and, and, and you kind of step back and you say, now what do we do? Well, there's one answer to that, and it's found in Psalms. And he says, praise. You just start praising. I mean, you think about the fact that he's the name that is above every name. And you're facing a situation that you're not, you don't want it to be here. You're not glad it's here. You wish you could just beam me up Scotty and get me out of there. You didn't, you didn't just take me out of there. All right, but, but you know it's not going to happen. So you're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves. You're going to have to get dirty. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to battle. You're going to have to trust that even though you can't see him, you can trust him. Even though you don't understand, he's got it. Even though you don't think there's enough in you, he obviously thought there was enough in you to bring it to you. You're like, God, I don't know who you think I am. I am not, I'm, man, I'm not man enough for this. Oh, yeah, you are. I'm not man enough for this. What do you do in those situations? Well, you sure don't want to just start knee jerking and act like crazy, man. So you just praise. You say, well, I don't want to praise. You don't want to praise. But let me tell you what praise will do. Praise will quiet the confusion and clarify the Father. He will. Think how many times you just lose it and you just don't know what to do and what you need to do is just praise. Just You're in the wilderness. Just start singing your way out. Just start worshiping. See, we were born for worship. But it's the last thing we do when life happens. Why do you think life happens? Well, trust me, here's what I know about things. Unless you practice things, you won't be good at things. So God gives us opportunities to practice, and sometimes we don't do real good. And then somebody pulls up beside and say, man, I don't know what to do. Will you help me here? I don't know what to do. Well, have you, have you praised him? Just start praising, man. Praising? This ain't no moment for praise. I didn't win the lottery. What's wrong with you? I don't know what to praise about do you not, did you not listen to what I just said? Man, when you don't know what to do, just praise. And what ha I have found in my own personal life, some of the things that gave me so much anxiety and that I worried so much about, when I start praising, God go, had a way to go, child. Let me take care of that for you. And I come up from praising going, uh, what about that right there? Oh, that just worked itself out. What about right there? Oh, that's gone. Well, what about this over here? That's not there anymore. Seriously? I should praise more. Because the Father just wants me to be dependent on him. He just wants to know that the adoration of my heart and my heart's affection is all about him and not on the things of the world. See, what we sometimes want to do is we want to run off and just half cock do stuff and try to figure it out and do it ourselves and pull up our, you know, our, our, our pants, and pull up boots and pull up our sleeves and we go sweat because we're Texans and we're Americans and we're West Texans and we fight. Well, that's all macho and John Wayne and everything, but you need to sit down, Murrible man, and, and probably start praising instead of acting like John Wayne, getting some tobacco and, you know, all that stuff. Just chill. 
Just chill in the presence of the king. Let him put a song in you and start singing the thing. And then he'll go to war for you. And then he'll tell you if he needs your help. You might be waiting for that phone call for a long time because he doesn't. I want you to go real quickly to Psalm 113. Psalm 113. And I really am going to go to verse 2, I promise. Psalm 113. Psalm 113, let's begin in verse 1. Common theme here if you haven't picked it up. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord shall be praised. The Lord is exalted over the nations, his glory above the heavens, who is like our Lord, our God. The one who sits enthroned on high, who is like our God, who sits enthroned. See, sometimes, man, we just need to be reminded who is on the throne. And when you praise, he'll do that. Look at verse 2. From lips of children and infants you have adorned, ordained praise because your enemies to silence and your foe and the avenger. If you haven't, I got a great seat this week at Vacation Bible School and got to watch the opening uh, each day and watch children and infants absolutely worship and praise. What I love sometimes is just watching kids worship, inhibited by taxes, inhibited by schedules and duties and deadlines and all that junk. They don't, they don't know. They, they, they have it. Right now is as good as it's going to get for them, man. You know what I mean? I've got two college graduates, and when they were going through school, they're like, oh, that could just be done. And now they're done. And guess what? I'm getting near as many days off. Holidays are not near as long, and they got to go to work. And I'm like, see how good you had it? You should have remembered how good you had it. All right? All that homework wasn't so bad. But, but from, from, from lips of children, I love what the, the New King James Version says, uh, uh, from, from infants, from, from the infants, nursing infants, praise. Mm. You know that cry that, that parents wait for when you're having a baby? You, you give birth and you wait for that cry. All right? Parents wait for the cry. The father waits for the praise. See, we hear it as a cry, and the father hears it as praise. You know, that baby's crying because what that baby really can't speak right now, what that baby's saying is, I want to go back in. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's probably not what he's saying. But, I mean, if he knows what's coming, you know what I mean? So he got it really good. But, 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 but we, are, or we are hatched and created for praise. Nothing like it, man. Nothing like it. The birds, they're singing, they're praising. Fields, the, the trees of the field, they clap their hands. I mean, there's nothing like being in the mountains. This make you feel cooler. Being in the mountains and that big elk is just honking on that morning, man. You're sitting on that porch with coffee, and he just 
bellowing out, man, ringing all through the mountains. See, he ain't bellowing, he's praising. Those geese and migrating, they're honking, but they're praising because all creation is about their king. All creation worships, all creations. And God simply just comes up beside us and says, excuse me, humans, let me tell you something. If I have to, if I have to, if you make me, I'm going to see that rock, I'll make that rock cry out. But I'd rather you sing than that rock. But if you're not going to sing, I'm going to make a singing rock. So I don't know about you guys, but don't make the father make a rock sing in your place. You need to start singing. You were, you were created for worship. And I'm going to tell you, there's no better medicine. There is no better medicine than worship and praise. I'm, I'm serious. It'll, it'll do the body some serious good. So just praise. Just praise. Verse 3, when I consider the heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you set in place, when I consider all that, what, why does he want me to consider all that? I want you to go to Psalm 147 real fast, and I'm going to come back and answer that question. Psalm 147. I know there's a lot of scripture, but it's all good. Psalm 147. Psalm 147. Let's begin verse 4. He determines the number of stars. He calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty is power. Mighty in power is his understanding has no limits. Our Lord sustains the humble, casts down the wicked to the ground, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, make music to our God with a harp. He covers the skies with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain. He makes the grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of a horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. But the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Why does he turn it all back there? Why does, what is he trying to do right there in Psalm 3? He's trying to turn the attention off of you. See, he's trying to turn the attention off of me back to him. Because what we want to do in life sometimes is if we don't start praising and start singing and start worshiping, all of a sudden we turn inwardly and we look at all the stuff that's going on in us. And right now he is trying to turn and look it out. Get the attention off me and get it on the king because great is your God. Because if you look at yourself too long and not at him, your God becomes small and you become big. He doesn't want you big. He wants you small and him big. He is trying to get the attention off of me. Look at verse four. You made him a little lower than the heavens. I'm sorry. What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? We know in, in Psalm 139, we talk about a personal God, that he knows when I sit, when I walk, when I get up. He knows the place where I go, that light's not darkness. In the darkness, there's light. He's light. You can't go to the sea. You can't go here. You can't go there. All that because he's a personal God. He's a personal God. He takes you, he, in, in verse three, he takes attention off of you and puts it on him. And as soon as you put the attention on him and he becomes this big God that hung the stars and knows him by name, then all of a sudden he turns it right back to you. Why? 
because there's an order there. Because if he puts you first and him second, you're going to be big and he's going to be small. And I talked about it. He says, look at what I've done. I know him by name. And then I know you. I know you. Why does he do it? He takes that attention right back to me. All right? The New King James Version in this text in verse 4 says that you visit with him. Mm. What is mine? What is man that you're mindful of him? What is man that you visit with him? Is that sweet or what? How long has it been since you sat with him and he visited with you? Visited with you. I, um, I had an experience in college. It was not a spiritual experience, so to speak, in the moment, but it became that later to me. I was uh, my junior year in college, and we were playing down in Austin, Texas at St. Ed's University, St. Edwards University, and I was throwing a back end of a doubleheader. Be careful. The back end is the second game of a doubleheader. A doubleheader for non-baseball people are two games in one day. Okay. So just want to clarify that. Sometimes I get off on baseball talk and people are like, what the heck does that mean? And so I was throwing the back end. So I go out to throw and first inning, second inning, third inning, I'm nine up, nine down, straight through the order, one time, no problem. I go out in the fourth inning and start the inning. And a couple pitches into that batter, there's a pop-up, kind of in no man's territory back there behind second base. So my shortstop goes out, my second baseman goes out, my center fielders come in, and they go, uh, are you going to get it? Are you going to get it? Uh, are you going to get it? Oh, no, it fell. And, and so I'm like, seriously, what? You three, you can't, three people can't catch one ball. And so he gets on first base. Well, what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about Junior, junior, and the other junior who can't catch the ball. And so, um, and so my whole mind's there. So what do I do to the next batter? Oh, I walk him as easy as Stevens. So now I got first and second. And so now I'm thinking about the guy I just walked. I'm like, that wasn't a very good decision. That was, what am I doing? And I walk the next guy. Well, I have a problem here. Because I have a coach uh, who's a wonderful man, but he's 6'8", so he's very intimidating. And, and so... Let, 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 me, let me segue this in there. My coach, when he's not coaching baseball avidly, uh, is a fisherman and loves to fish. And being in East Texas, there are lakes everywhere. So coach was always bass fishing. I mean, always bass fishing. Had, had the sponsors, had the decals on his boats and everything. So, so I had a pop-up that no one wants to catch, and then I walked two guys because I'm thinking about all that other stuff. So after cruising for three innings, I start the inning struggling in the fourth. And so about the time I walk that guy, I step off the mound, and I try to gather myself, and I look out, and I see this giant coming towards me, all right? So he, I know he's going to get a little bit of my hiney. And so he comes out, and he's standing on the mound, and I'm standing on the mound. And usually when a coach comes out, like the first, second, shortstop, second base, they, they come in. Well, they start coming in, and he says, he motions them away. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a lot worse than I thought. Now we're not even going to have witnesses to the, to the killing. <laughs> I'm not going to know what happened. So I'm standing there. I'm a junior in college. And I just, this guy gives me, gives me a whole lot of money to throw a baseball for him. And he's 6'8", and he's looking down at me, and here's what he says. Um, Ponder, 
And I said, yes, sir. He said, um, do, you, do you think they're, they're, uh, you think they're catching bass with a topwater lure or a worm? <laughs> a 6'8 guy, you don't turn to him and go, dude, you, what's wrong with you, man? You, you all right? I said, excuse me? He said, do, do, you, do you think they're using a topwater lure or a worm right now? And what, what, uh, coach, I don't know. You're the fisherman. And he said, Ponder, you're right. And you're the pitcher. Pitch. And walked off. <laughs> now, I don't know if any other head coach has ever done Because my pitching coach, he didn't get to come out. And usually I at least get a token visit from the pitching coach first that says, hey, my boss in the dugout, he's really mad at you right now. That's what pitching coaches say. No, I'm this. But, but he, that's what he said. So he, he's walking off. And I'm like, that's it? That, that's it. Top water, worm. I'm the fishy. I'm the pitcher. Pitch. So I got back on the rubber. Strike out the next two guys. Get a pop-up. Guy catches. We win seven nothing. I seven shutout innings. Right. I got off the, I, we walk off the field and we're walking to the bus to go eat. And my coach comes up beside me, puts his arm around me, says, hey, pitcher, threw the ball well today. I said, dude, what was that? He goes, I had to reset you. I had to reset you. See, you, 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 got, out of, you got out of balance on me. You forgot who you were. You need to listen. There's times. Mm, there's times, man. Life started going like a washing machine out of balance. And we think we're going to correct it. And God in his sovereignty, he resets us. He resets us. He says, you see those stars? I hung them. I hung them. And oh, what is man that you're mindful of me? Oh, what is man that you want to visit with him? See, he reset us, boy. Because when we can re get reset and understand who he is and who we are, we're good. But as long as we try to control it all and think we're the ones that's going to make it all come back, it just only gets worse. It just gets worse. If he doesn't come out, and he comes out and does anything other than what he did, he doesn't reset me. If he talks baseball at that moment, pitching, mm -mm, I don't get out of the inning because my head's whacked. It's not my talent level. It's not who I am. It's just my head was jacked up, and he reset me. Sometimes we just need God to come up beside us and reset us. Verse 5. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and you crowned him with glory and honor. I want you to know something. In your Bible, you need to write these words. <laughs> you can write I, right? I am God's crown jewel of creation. Somebody in here needs to hear that, because that's not what you say about you. 
You've told yourself for a long time you're God's mess up. You're God's accident. You're God's, you're God's bad day. No, you're not. You are his crown jewel of creation. The crown jewel of creation. Verse 6, you made him rule over the works of the hands of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and beasts of the fields, birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all swimming paths of the sea. I want you to go to Genesis real quick. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 28. That reference on that number five verse, if you need a little help with that, Genesis 1.26 tells you that you're the crown jewel because I want you to see that God said, let us make man. The us in there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They were all present when he made you. That makes you pretty stinking special. All right. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves among the ground. Then God said, I will give you every seed-bearing plant, face of the whole earth, every tree, fruit of the sea, fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the air, birds of the air, all creation that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant a food. And it was so. And God saw that he had made, and he said it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and the sixth day. He gave us authority over it all. We are his crown jewel of creation. And we have been given authority over it. When Jesus died and rose again, and you accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you now have more authority because of he who lives in you, right? the power of God that lives in you, the Holy Spirit that lives in you, and you as his crown jewel creation, he sent his son to die for you so that he can now call you sons of God, children of God, his inheritance that he's coming back to get. And you, you and I have authority. The question is, are we living in that authority. You're the crown jewel of his creation. He loves you, and he's crazy about you, okay? Last verse, and we're out of here. Verse 9, he starts it the way he finishes it because he's got one thing he wants you to understand. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. My friends, I know you're on summer break. It's crazy sometimes, but I want you to curl up somewhere in a quiet place in the cool of the day. And if it's Psalm 8, that's fine, but you need to curl up somewhere and preferably in some Psalms because Psalms will tell you, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, 
Praise the Lord. 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 And if you get sick of hearing it, read one more Psalms because he's going to start it off with praise the Lord and he's going to finish it with praise the Lord. And I don't know how thick you are or how hard-headed you are, but I think for hard-headed people, the book of Psalms is beautiful because he continues to want to pound in us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Some of us by nature, we don't go there quick. Okay? We can go to negative or oh me or whatever. But I want you to understand the Father that loves you and is crazy about you and that made you and calls you his crown jewel wants you to understand one thing. Before you try to figure everything out in life, tackle all the situations, juggle all the things you juggle, will you please sit with me in the cool of the day and praise the Lord? And praise the Lord. You'd be surprised how short your list gets after you praise the Lord. Because while you praise, he's working. And most of the stuff will just disappear. Right. This morning, as we move to a time of ministry, if you're here today, ministry time is simply that. It's time of ministry. God has spoken. And I trust what he's spoken is what you needed. And now it's our chance to, to, to receive that, to do something with that. Maybe you need to come to the altar for prayer. Altar wide open for you. We'll have couples up here that want to pray over you. Maybe you're facing something. Maybe you need somebody to agree with you. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you or over you, your child, anything. You come. Don't try to be Lone Ranger. Don't try to do it on your own. Just let somebody agree with you and pray over you. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, this is my church. I, this is my church home. It's where I want to be, Okay. I don't know what it is. Maybe for you, it's just a simple reminder today in that illustration that sometimes God needs to reset us. And maybe that's you today. But as we, I'm going to pray in just a little bit, and then we're going to stand in worship. And if you need to come, I want you to come. Out of obedience, it's always blessing. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for a beautiful, sweet, nice psalms tucked in there. Psalm 8, it starts the way it finishes. It's bookend by praise. May we be people that way. God, thank you. Thank you that you want to visit with us. Mm. You want to visit with us. I pray that we take you up on that. That we just take you up on that. For some of us in this room, it's been a long time since we visited with you. Oh, we've, we've told you some stuff. It's not our job to tell you anything. It's your job to tell us stuff, and then we go do it. So God, I pray that we get a chance to visit with you soon. God, during this invitation time, time of ministry, God, may you speak and may you move. Mm. Move now, Holy Spirit. For you in your name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 